you have a Bible with you, go to John chapter 17. Si trajo su Biblia esta noche, vamos a ir al Evangelio según San Juan, capítulo 17. And we're continuing our Bible study on the, olive, on the uh, upper room discourse. I almost said Olivet Discourse is a, another sermon of Jesus, uh, which uh, would, would require a great deal of study as well, as we have found in this discourse. This is uh, the conclusion uh, or the concluding chapter of the Upper Room Discourse in John chapter 17, and uh, it is a prayer. Esta noche llegamos al capítulo final del discurso del aposento alto. Y este es una, un capítulo que es una oración. And so it's not as much a part of Jesus' teaching in terms of his, uh, or delivery of it. It is an incredible teaching because we witness Jesus speaking to the Father on our behalf. Aquí uh, encontramos a Jesús hablando o orando hacia el Padre uh, con nosotros en mente. So I want you to just think about this tonight that John 17 is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Uh, el capítulo 17 de Juan nos da el, uh, la oración sacerdotal de nuestro Señor Jesucristo. We have a priest before God tonight. Usted y yo tenemos un sacerdote delante de Dios esta noche. Uh, a priest is the mediator, a go-between. Un sacerdote es un mediador, uno que va entre uno y el otro. Uh, that priest is not Pastor Isaac. Este, ese uh, sacerdote no soy yo. I'm not your priest. Amen, somebody. Jesus is our high priest. Uh, Jesucristo es nuestro sumo sacerdote. And then, because he is the high priest, all of us are priests. Uh, todos nosotros somos sacerdotes. Uh, that means every one of us can enter into the presence of God because of Jesus. Y por, por Cristo, ahora todos nosotros podemos entrar a la presencia de Dios. That deserves a good amen right there. Because you're a priest. You have access to the Holy of Holies. Usted tiene acceso a la presencia del lugar, uh, de, de Dios en el lugar santísimo. And so we are going to be eavesdropping on the prayer of Jesus. Have you ever eavesdropped on somebody's prayer? Just be honest, do you? Uh, yo sé que cada uno de nosotros en una ocasión nos, des, nos gusta escuchar a otra persona orar. Uh, a mí me gusta hacer eso. I often get distracted when we're in uh, prayer uh, here at the church because when you start praying, I like to hear what you're praying so I can hear what a good prayer warrior sounds like. And um, it's amazing how, how every different person has a different way of expressing themselves before the Lord. A unique way. Todos tenemos una forma única de orar. I remember one of the most impressive times that I spent in prayer was uh, in a church in Houston. I was kneeling next to a pastor who was praying. He was uh, much older than me. And what impressed me about his prayer was that it was so simple. You know, I had been, I had grown up in prayer prayer meetings where it was like, oh, Lord, oh, Jesus, come on, Lord. And it was kind of that uh that hooping and hollering type of prayer. But when he spoke to God, this pastor was just acting like he was conversing with God on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And he said, you know, Lord, I was thinking the other day and this type of thing. And I just thought, that is so cool to be able to talk to God um, on, on your level. And that is uh, what is so impressive and, and powerful about prayer. 
And tonight, Jesus is our example of prayer. Esta noche, Jesús es nuestro ejemplo de la oración. Now, I'm going to do something I don't normally do, and I'm going to read uh, the prayer. And it's a long prayer, all right? So you're just going to read along with me uh, because uh, we believe the Bible, don't we? And we read the Bible, don't we? So it's not going to offend you if I read the Bible tonight? No? All right, good. Because I was going to read it anyway. Uh, I'm just glad we're all on the same page. Uh, yo voy a leer la oración esta noche y luego vamos a comenzar. Now, I thought we were going to conclude the series tonight, but I don't think we are, okay? Because chapter 17 has enough for a whole other series, all right? So we're just going to get as far as we can. But let's read and listen to this prayer of Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this before I read it. Number one, this prayer is a prayer that expresses the love of Christ for you. Esta oración es una oración que expresa el amor de Cristo para sus discípulos. It's his love for his disciples. The next thing I want you to notice is that this prayer is a prayer that is desiring above all things the glory of God uh, on the earth. Esta oración uh, es una oración que sobre todas las otras cosas desea ver a Dios glorificado. And so, really, it's th those two things need to be an example to us already, that Jesus prayed out of love, and Jesus prayed with the glory of God as his goal. Our prayers need to be like that. Our prayers need to have God's glory as their objective. Nuestras oraciones deben tener la gloria de Dios como su objetivo, como su propósito, not our glory, not our uh, aggrandizement, but the glory of God as their objective. And then finally, uh, I want to say this, that this prayer is being answered until right now, today. Uh, esta oración aún está siendo contestada. Say amen, somebody. Jesus prayed this about 2,000 years ago, and God is still answering the prayer today. Prayer is so powerful that it can transcend generations. La oración es tan poderosa que puede traspasar o trascender generaciones. Dos mil años después de, de esta oración todavía está siendo escuchada o está siendo contestada en la vida de cada discípulo. For 2,000 years, every generation of disciples that has come into faith has had this prayer being answered in their life. And so I want you to think about that because sometimes you and I, we pray prayers we don't see an answer this year. We don't see an answer next year. We don't see an answer in 20 years. We may don't even see an answer in our lifetime. I know that my uh, grandmother, both of my grandmothers, I was fortunate to have two grandmothers who were godly prayer warriors. And uh, most of their prayers were never answered or not answered fully in their lifetime. But I'm standing here tonight as an answer to their prayer. So here you are uh, watching a uh, third generation from them who is being an answer to the prayer that God uh, led them to pray. So don't ever stop praying. Say amen, somebody. And don't get discouraged in prayer because your prayers are going to reach into eternity and they're going to touch things and people that you never thought could be touched. Amen. All right, John 17, verse 1. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may be glorified 
or may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you give me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which you had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you give me, I have given to them. And they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you. And they believed that you have sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given to me, and I guarded them. And not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not be ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that, they, that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and love them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that, I, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the, the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for this word, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. 
Now I ask you to speak to us tonight from the word in a new and fresh way. And that you would accompany your word with the anointing of the spirit. That I might teach the word of God with clarity and with boldness. I ask that in Jesus name. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to uh, look into this passage tonight, and I'm going to just give you a kind of an overview of one particular uh, side of this that I want us to look at, and then we're going to we're going to go a little deeper into a couple of these areas. Vamos a le voy a dar un repase de una de una perspectiva que yo quiero que usted vea, y luego vamos a tomarlo un poco en detalle. Now there are six things in this prayer that Jesus said that the Father had given to him. Hay seis cosas en esta oración que Jesús dijo que el Padre le había dado. Six things which the Father gave to Jesus. All right, so uh, I want us first to look at those. There are a lot of perspectives we can uh, come at from this, uh, this prayer. And I want us to start here. Because here we notice that Jesus is praying from the standpoint of what God has already done. Aquí vemos que Jesús está orando desde la perspectiva de lo que Dios ya ha hecho. And this is an important part of prayer. Esta es una parte muy importante de la oración. El reconocer lo que Dios ya ha hecho. Recognizing what God has already done. Now there's a, a similar thing that takes place in one of the Old Testament prayers of King Jehoshaphat. When Jehoshaphat prayed... He prayed like this. One section of his prayer was, God, have you not? And then the next section of his prayer was, God, can you not? And then the third part of his prayer was, God, will you not? And so he starts by going back to what God has already done. And that's not so much to encourage God to answer the prayer, but it is to help the prayer to have faith toward God as he prays. Esto es importante para el orador saber lo que Dios ya ha hecho para poder venir con fe delante de Dios. Josafat en el Antiguo Testamento dijo, Señor, no has hecho esto en el pasado. Y eso le ayudó a creer que Dios podía hacer algo en su presente. How many of you need God to do something in your present? Well, how many of you have seen God do stuff in your past? So when you come to prayer, come with that testimony in mind. Cuando usted venga a la oración, venga con el testimonio de lo que Dios ya hizo. Uh, y, y ese testimonio le va a dar a fuerza a su fe para que pueda orar para lo que Dios tiene que o necesita hacer en su vida. And Jesus tells us there are six things that the Father had already given him. And I want you to, to notice these with me. We're not going to go into detail on all of them tonight, but we're going to go into detail with some of them. I want you to notice this first of all. That the Bible says that you are an heir and a joint heir. Uh, you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. Dice la Escritura que usted y yo somos uh, heredores de Dios y coheredores con Cristo. We're heirs of God. That means God has given us an inheritance. Say amen, somebody. And we are co-heirs with Jesus. And now, uh, we, if your parents leave you an inheritance and there's four children, then uh, you get a, a fourth and your brothers and sisters, they each get a fourth. Now, that's not what it means to be a co-heir with Jesus. 
To be a co-heir with Jesus means that Jesus gets the whole inheritance and you get the whole inheritance with him. Say amen, somebody. So you are an heir of God and a co-heir with Jesus. So let's say that. I'm an heir of God and I'm a co-heir with Jesus. So then what does that mean? Everything that the Father has given to Jesus, he's given to you. Entonces lo que el Padre le ha dado al Hijo, se lo ha dado usted. Did you hear that? Everything the Father has given to Jesus, he's given to you. So as we look at these six things that, that the Father has given to Jesus, I want you to notice that there are things that God has given you. All right? Vamos a ver aquí que estas cosas que el Padre le ha dado a Cristo son las mismas cosas que el Padre nos ha dado a nosotros. And I'm just going to list them for us real quick. So you kind of have an outline of where we're headed. Uh, first of all, he gave him authority. Número uno le dio autoridad. That's in verse two. Esto está en el verso dos. In verse four, he gave him work. En el verso cuatro le dio trabajo. Uh, en el verso seis le dio varones. In verse six, he gave him men. And uh, in verse uh, nine... He gave him the word. En el verso 8, uh, verse 8, I should say, le dio la palabra. En el verso 8, verse 8, he gave him the word. In verse 11, he gave him a name. En el verso 11, le dio un nombre. Y en el verso 22, le dio gloria. And in verse 22, he gave him glory. All right, did you get all of those? I'll list them for you again. Number one, he gave him authority. Number two, he gave him work. Number three, he gave him men. Number four, he gave him the word. Number five, he gave him a name. And number six, he gave him glory. All right. So that's, that's what God has given to Jesus. And these six things, because they belong to Jesus, they also belong to you. They're part of your future. Dios le dio autoridad, le dio trabajo, le dio varones, Le dio palabras, le dio nombre, y le dio gloria. Y estas seis cosas son parte de nuestra herencia. So let's start with verse 2. Vamos a comenzar con el verso 1. Jesus says there, Even as you have given me authority over all flesh, to all whom you have given me, I have given eternal life. Now Jesus understood something. He understood that the Father had given him authority. Jesús entendía que el Padre le había dado autoridad. Now, uh, this is important. First of all, we notice in the text that it says he gave him authority over all flesh. Dice ahí que le dio autoridad sobre, sobre toda uh, carne. I want you to notice a few things with me. So, let's go to First Chronicles. Vamos a ir a Primera de Crónicas, el capítulo 29. Verse, uh, tw chapter 29 of 1 Chronicles and verse 11. A primera de Crónicas, capítulo 29, verso uh, 11. Is it all right if we study the Bible tonight? Yeah? All right, good. Eh, vamos a estudiar la Biblia esta noche, ¿está bien? ¿Sí o no? Sí, a eso venimos. That's why we came here tonight, all right? So, what does God's authority look like? Uh, ¿Cuál es la autoridad de Dios? Well, 1 Chronicles 29 Verse 11, it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness 
and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in heaven and on earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. I want you to notice a few things there. Notice, first of all, that David says that God has all the greatness, all the power, all the glory, all the victory, and all the majesty. How many of you need some victory? Guess what? God has all the victory. He owns all the victory. That means he's never known a battle or a conflict in which he was not victorious. Say amen, somebody. And everything in heaven belongs to him. Todo en el cielo le pertenece a él. That means that the stars belong to him. The planets belong to him. The solar system in which you and I live in, that belongs to him. All right, uh, uh, in the 1960s, the United States sent a man to the moon, and uh, the first man uh, walked on the moon, and we planted an American flag. Well, the moon doesn't belong to the United States of America, right? The moon belongs to God, all right? The planets belong to God. Uh, you know that it would, it would it, I think uh, if I remember correctly, it's 93 million miles from the earth to the sun. And if you wanted to travel there, it would take you a whole long time to get there, almost a lifetime to get there. It's a long space between here and the sun. But, you know, they've discovered a star that wouldn't fit if you tried to pass it between the earth and the sun. It is so large that it wouldn't fit in between uh, the space between the earth and the sun. That's just one star. But God, the Bible says, is the possessor of all of the heavens. That means all of the stars and all of the planets and all that is in them. Indeed, the Bible says that he held the stars in the palm of his hand and he scattered them across the dark of the night. That is our God. Say amen, somebody. And not only that, but heaven itself belongs to him. What do you think about when you think of heaven? You think of eternal life. You think of streets of gold. You think of gates of pearl. You think of angels. You think of uh, uh, the, the tree of life. You think of manna that gives eternal life. Guess what? That All of that belongs to God. Say amen, somebody. Nobody gets in without his permission. Nobody sneaks in because he owns all of it. The heavens belong to him. But what does the, 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 uh, the writer say here? It says also not only the heavens belong to him, but everything in the earth belongs to him. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth and all who dwell within it. That means you and I belong to him. And guess what? Your house belongs to God. And your car belongs to God. And your little dog belongs to God. Everything you have, everything we have belongs to him. And guess what? Everything you need. Nobody wants to say amen now. Everything you need belongs to God. And guess what? Everything you want belongs to God. Is there anybody that wants something? Have you gotten beyond needing stuff to just wanting something? He says he'll give you the desires of your heart. Guess what? God owns everything you want and everything you need. And that, that's a revelation you and I need to have concerning this fact. God is God over all of it. He's in control over all of it. It all belongs to him. 
he says there, indeed, everything that is in the heaven and in the earth is your dominion. What does that mean? That means it's God's jurisdiction. God's in charge. Everybody say, God's in charge. Sometimes the devil shows up at your house. He tries to scare you out of your own house. You just tell him, hold up, devil. God's in charge of my life. God's in charge of my home. God's in charge of my health. Say amen, somebody. God's in charge. Say it again. God's in charge. It's under his dominion. And he is the head over all. You know, in the United States, we have the justice of the peace. And then we have the county court, and then you have the district courts, and then you have the state courts and the Supreme Court and state, and then you have appellate courts, and then you keep going all the way up, you get to the Supreme Court. And then there's no court above that. But do you know that there uh, is a court above the Supreme Court? And that it's God. And, and there's no court above God. He has dominion. He has the final rule and say Overall, Now look at verse 12. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. And in your hand is the power and might. That, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now listen. God, God is the owner and possessor of all riches and all power. The provision you need. The, the, the wealth that you need. In order to fulfill the promise and purpose of God in your life, it is in God's hands. The book of Haggai says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord. And, and that means that God can meet every single one of your needs. Listen, if, if your faith reaches high enough to believe that God can get your bills paid every week, then th God will get your bills paid every week. But if your faith goes beyond that to believe that God can give you abundance, that God can help you so that you can invest in the kingdom of God, so that you can give to missions, so that you can be a tither and a giver, so that you can be generous when people need your help. Come on, somebody. Then God will help you to rise to that level. Say amen, somebody. Because it belongs to him. And the power belongs to him. And might belongs to him. It lies in his hand. God can make you great. Or God can make you strong. It's in his hands to do that. And uh, this is the authority that Jesus is talking about. He says, the Father has given me authority over all flesh. And then we read uh, in, the, in the Gospels, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew. We read in Matthew chapter 18 and verse, uh, verse 19 and 20 that Jesus said, oh, pardon, uh, that's a... We're looking at Matthew 28 and verse 20. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. So again, he states, this authority has been given to me, not just above, but also beneath. Here on the earth extends the authority of the rule of God. Now, Here's what I want you to realize, that Jesus has delegated authority to you. Dios, a través de Cristo, ha delegado autoridad a ti. Now look at the authority that Jesus delegated to the church. Fíjese la autoridad que Cristo le entregó a la iglesia. He said, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
Now God is, uh, Jesus is saying, I'm giving you authority on the earth to make things happen in heaven. That meant somebody. Jesús está diciendo, te he dado autoridad en la tierra para que hagas hacer algo ocurrir en el cielo. And so he's given us the authority to pray and, and to have authority not only on, on the earth realm, but also over spiritual realm. To give us authority over and dominion over the powers of darkness, over the powers of hell that come against your life. Cristo te ha dado autoridad en el cielo como también en la tierra. Y esa autoridad es autoridad sobre demonios, sobre diablos, sobre, uh, sobre espíritus malos. It's authority over uh, evil spirits that come against your life. And it is authority to see the will of God and the kingdom of God established here on the earth. Esta autoridad es para que usted tenga el poder para establecer el reino de Dios aquí en la tierra. And, and you and I have to realize this. Our authority exists whether we use it or not. Esa autoridad existe si la usamos o no. Now, if you just go around and let, let the devil beat up on you, you have the authority to stop him. Amen, somebody. Usted tiene la autoridad para detener la mano del enemigo en su vida. Uh, I remember a preacher telling the story of a lady that came to him and she said, oh, brother, please pray for me. The devil's been chasing me all week. And he realized that that's a person who has not stood in authority. They have not realized that I am not, I am not the devil's uh, rag doll that he can throw around and do whatever he wants with. I have the authority of the name of Jesus. I have the authority of the blood of Jesus. I have the authority of the word of God. And this word and this name and this blood has power over dominions of darkness and over powers and principalities that rule in this world. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, they're in the world, but they're not of the world. Listen, our weapons are not worldly weapons. Our weapons are spiritual. They're divinely powerful, and they are authoritative. La, las herramientas que usted y yo tenemos son espirituales y tienen Autoridad. So I want to encourage you tonight to stand in the authority that God has given to you. Le quiero animar esta noche que usted se pare en la autoridad que Dios le ha dado a usted. Let me just give you an example. Now I was in Nicaragua on one occasion. Yo estaba en Nicaragua en una ocasión. And uh, it was a watch night service, which is an all night long church service. Right, you guys haven't been to one of those probably in a while. Or ever, some of you. Era una vigilia. And uh, they, their, their music was so blaringly loud. You couldn't hear the person talking to you, uh, standing next to you. Estaba tan uh, alto el volumen de la música que no se podía oír ni la persona parada al lado de usted. And uh, I remember that, that during the night, a woman uh, fell on the floor in the aisle. Una mujer se cayó en el pasillo y comenzó a, a moverse a través del pasillo como una víbora. She started to slither down the, the aisle of the church like a snake. And first thing that shocked me was nobody did anything about it. Lo primero que me perturbó es que nadie hizo nada. And, and so uh, I was standing on the altar when I saw this, and I, it was so loud that uh, she wouldn't have been able to hear me 
anyway, and and I prayed in English, so she wouldn't have been able to understand me anyway. Cuando yo oré, yo oré a un nivel normal y oré en inglés, así que ella no me hubiera podido oír ni entender porque ella hablaba español. And I simply just said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to sit down. And the woman immediately got up off the floor and sat down. And then I said, and don't get up until I have preached. Y dije, no se levante hasta que yo predique. And that woman did exactly what I said. Now I was scared. Ahora yo estaba asustado. Porque ella obedeció la palabra. Now she didn't obey me. What she obeyed was, in the name of Jesus, sit down. And it's the authority of that name and the power of the word of God that you and I have resident within us. Amen, somebody. This is your inheritance. Esta es tu autoridad. Now, I could go all night telling you those stories, but I'm going to move on. Okay, I just want you to have that clear understanding in your mind that you have authority to bind and to loose. You have authority to see uh, the power of God manifest in your life. And too often, we, we uh, leave that to somebody else. We need to go find an elder or a pastor to help us to pray because we don't think we can do it on our own. And that's good. You need elders and pastors to help you pray. The Bible teaches us that. But you also have authority. Say amen, somebody. And if the church will use its authority, hell won't know what to do with all of us. Come on, somebody. The devil won't know what to do with everybody when the church is operating in the authority of the, uh, of the word of God in its life. All right. The next thing I want you to notice is in verse 4. The father gave the son work. Número dos, el padre le dio al hijo trabajo. Everybody say work. Now, I know we don't necessarily like this one, right? What do you mean the father gave me work? I have enough work as it is, preacher. Usted quizá diga, yo no quiero trabajo. Trabajo, yo, quiero, yo tengo suficiente trabajo con lo que yo tengo. I want you to understand this. Jesus came to the earth with a specific job in mind. And he came to establish the kingdom of God on the earth. He came to, uh, to provide an atonement for sin and for sinners. And Jesus has fulfilled the work which his father gave to him. And today he has the work of intercession. The Bible says he ever lives to intercede for us. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. And his responsibility before God is to intercede and to pray for you and I, because he's our high priest. Amen, somebody. Cristo es, uh, vino a la tierra con un propósito, con un trabajo, una asignación que Dios le había dado. El establecimiento del reino de Dios en la tierra y también la expiación de, de los pecados de los hombres. And here's what I want you to understand, that God has given you work too. Dios te ha dado trabajo a ti también. He's given the church a responsibility. Le ha dado a la iglesia una responsabilidad. And that, that responsibility is to uh, proclaim his name and to proclaim his truth to our world. Esa responsabilidad es de proclamar su nombre y su verdad en nuestro mundo. And Jesus, he said this, if you remember while I was reading what he prayed, 
He said, I'm not just praying for them. He was saying, I'm not just praying for Peter and James and John and Bartholomew and Nathaniel. I'm praying for everyone who will believe because of them. That's you and I. All these generations later, we see that Jesus is, was praying for us who were going to believe and everybody that's going to believe because of us, because of our message, because of our proclamation of the truth. How it's your responsibility to discover what is God's purpose in my life. What has God given me as a job, as a task that he wants me to fulfill? And he's given you gifts for that job. And he's given you anointing for that job. And he's given you power for that job. And it looks different for everybody. Some of you may be uh, involved in, in law. Others of you in business. Some of you may be involved in uh, vocational ministry like myself. Maybe you're involved in, um, in a, a mechanic shop or you are a, uh, a, home, a homemaker. Whatever your job is, there is a God-glorifying purpose behind that work. And you and I need to, need to realize God can be glorified through your life, through your work, and he can draw people to himself. And he wants to draw people to himself. Si, si su oficio quizás como el mío tiene la vocación de ministerio, pero otros son uh, mecánicos o carpinteros o abogados o médicos, no importa el trabajo, lo que importa es que detrás de ese trabajo hay un propósito, una tarea divina, algo que Dios quiere hacer a través de su vida. There's something that God wants to do as a result of your life. And if you haven't already figured it out yet, I want to encourage you to, to search and to discover what has God gifted me and called me to do. Uh, si usted no lo ha descubierto todavía, yo quiero que usted busque, uh, tome el tiempo para orar, para buscar, para uh, estudiar qué es el trabajo, la obra, que Dios tiene para mí. Now, I'm not going to go too long into that point because I want to come back to it at another time. But it is important for us to know God didn't just put you here for nothing. Dios no te puso aquí para nada. Say amen, somebody. Look, he didn't save you for nothing. There's work to do. Tell your neighbor, there's work to do. And when you're done doing it, God will call you home. All right? So get to work. And don't worry about dying. Don't worry about running out of time. You just get to work. Do what God has called you to do. What God has gifted you to do. Do what you can, where you are, with what you have. And God will bless you. God will, God will use you. And we need people in business who are godly, who are righteous, who know how to pray. Who know how to be led by the Spirit. You, you think about this next time there's a doctor making a decision about your body. You're going to want him to be spirit-filled. I promise you. You're going to want him to know how to hear God's voice. And say, we're going to do this procedure and not that procedure. Come on, somebody. You, you want to have godly people as your lawyers, all right? So that when they go into that courtroom, they're actually depending upon the Holy Spirit to lead them and guide them. Every sphere of life needs godly Righteous men and women, glorifying God in that sphere. 
We need godly people in Hollywood. Boy, do we need godly people in Hollywood. Amen. We need godly people in Washington. Say amen, somebody. Amen. We need godly people in the White House. Say amen, somebody. We need godly people in every sphere of life. And so whatever sphere you're in, you can't just say, well, I'm not Pastor Isaac. That's his job. No, you have to glorify God where you are. On the level and in the place where God has called you. All right, now I want to conclude with this. And that is in verse 6, Jesus said that the Father gave him men. And it's uh, significant here that he says he gave him men out of the world. And in verse 6, uh, vemos a la, la tercera cosa que Cristo, uh, a Cristo se le dieron hombres. Now, I want you to think about this, because unless you're a woman um, who wants a husband, you're probably not praying, Lord, give me men, right, or give me a man. Um, but this is an interesting thing, that when we think about all the awesome things the Father could have given Jesus, he gave him authority, he gave him a purpose, he gave him a name, he gave him glory, and then he gave him people. And what I want you to see here is that God's purpose in your life is fulfilled through people. You and I need people in our life. You might not feel like it all the time, but you need people. You remember God created Adam, and Adam looked around, and there was no other Adams, so no, other, no other person or thing that looked like him, that sounded like him, that talked like him. There was no other human being in the world. And God said it is not good for man to be alone. And God made a woman. And from that pair he made a human race, a, a, a world full of people. I want you to notice this because when God gave Jesus an inheritance, part of the inheritance was people. And I need to mention this, and I need you to, to capture this tonight, because some of you have not uh, recognized the treasure and the blessing of God that's in your life by the people that God has given you. And often that's because if we focus on the, the negatives of the people around us, we don't always realize the blessing that they are. And nobody's saying amen right now. But I want you to just think about this. Your life without the people in it, you might, you might uh, realize, would be a, a lot harder and a lot more challenging. And so God has given you people. And if he hasn't given you people, he will give you people uh, and a person at the right time. Now, I want you to notice this. Every time you're praying for something, when you're asking God to work a miracle in your life or to release something into your life, or to move in your life in a new way. Or maybe you're saying, God, I want you to take me to a new level in my job. I want you to take me to a new level in my health. Or God, I want you to take me to a new level in my ministry. Guess what? When you look around for the answer, look for a person. Because God uses people. It might not even be a person you like. Say, that's okay. It might be a person that you wouldn't hang out with. That you don't get along with. But it might be somebody that God will say, that's the person I'm going to use to promote you. That's the person I'm going to use to grow you. 
So, you know, maybe somebody's out there praying, Lord, I really want to get in shape. I want to have better health. And then they run into a, to a um, physical fitness expert in the, in the line at H-E-B. And they say, get thee behind me, Satan, right? I don't want you yelling at me at the gym. Well, what if that person is the instrument God wants to use to get you to the next level? So look around for the people that God wants to use in your life. And just, just think about your life for a minute. Look at the major moments in your life when things went from good to better. And you'll notice there's always a person involved. Either somebody left or somebody walked in. Say amen, somebody. When God takes them out, just say goodbye. Can't cry about you right now because i got to look around for what God's up to. And when God brings somebody into your life, you can see God is working something because you know what? It just can't help it. People change people. Dios usa a instrumentos humanos. Y cuando usted esté orando y pidiendo que Dios haga algo en su vida, busque una persona. Porque Dios va a usar una persona porque no, uh, no falla que las personas cambian a otras personas. Now you need people in your life that are going to increase you. You need people in your life that are going to challenge you. You need people in your life that are going to support you. Say amen, somebody. So, first of all, I want you to notice that everybody needs a mentor or a pastor or a spiritual leader. All right? You need somebody who's gone ahead of you. Somebody who's already done this before you and who can say, this is how it's done. This is how you survive. This is how you succeed. This is how you overcome. We all need a, a, an Apostle Paul in our life. Somebody that can, that can teach us what we don't already know. All right? Not everybody needs, this is, this is a groundbreaking statement I'm about to say here. Not everybody needs a husband and not everybody needs a wife. Some people are not called to marriage. They're called to singleness. But everybody needs a pastor. Think about that. You cannot get to the places of spiritual maturity and growth that God wants you to, to go to without the voice of a prophet in your life. Without someone bringing the word of God to you. Look at what 2 Chronicles 20, 20 says. It says, believe the Lord and you shall be established. This is 2 Chronicles 20, 20. Believe the Lord and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Dice, uh, Segunda de Crónicas 20, 20, Cree al Señor y serás establecido. Créele a su profeta y serás prosperado. Todos necesitan la voz de un profeta, un pastor, un guía espiritual en su vida. Now, that doesn't mean that pastors or spiritual leaders are perfect. It doesn't mean that they don't have any flaws. It just means that God has given them authority. And when you operate under the spiritual authority of your leader, you are under the direct flow of God's anointing in your life. So if you don't have a pastor, get a pastor. I'm not recruiting tonight, okay? I'm not recruiting. I'm just letting you know, get a pastor. If it's not Pastor Isaac, find a pastor. There's a lot of good pastors in town. And if none of us cut your, uh, reach your, your level of need, then go outside of town. But find yourself a man of God or a woman of God, somebody that can tell you no, and you'll sit down and understand it's no. Somebody that will tell you go, and you understand I need to go. I need to do this. 
Somebody that will stretch you. Somebody that will bring you the word. Somebody that will feed you the meat. Somebody that will tell you you're wrong. Somebody that will tell you you're right. Somebody will tell you you're blind. Somebody that will tell you you can do it. You need a spiritual leader, a voice in your life. And God says, if you listen to my prophetic voice in your life, I will prosper you. How many of you have prospered under a pastor? Now, you get out from under a pastor, and you're going to have a different testimony. All right? So just, just think about that. Now, you, uh, you need to have that in your life. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 41. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. There's a blessing in having a spiritual leader in your life. Now, the next thing you need is you need someone that's going to challenge you, and that's a Timothy. That's somebody that you're teaching, somebody that you are uh, training up, someone you're discipling. That might be your children. If you have children, you're the primary disciple maker in that house, and you've got to form them into disciples. Nobody said amen. And maybe it's not your children. Maybe your children are already grown, but you look around, and there are immature believers around you. Find somebody to pour into. La segunda persona que usted necesita es un Timoteo. Una persona que usted va a invertir en ellos. Y la palabra invertir es importante porque va a darle tiempo, va a darle uh, atención, le va a dar cariño. This is a person you're going to give time to, you're going to give attention to, you're going to invest in them. And they're going to challenge you because they won't always do what you, what you teach them to do. And then you're going to have to watch them fail and come back and say, I got it wrong. So, okay, let's start over. Anybody in here? Know what it's like to have a disciple, someone you're teaching? Be patient. Watch God work. But you need that in your life. It keeps you humble. But just when you think that you know everything, they'll let you know you haven't quite gotten it all yet. And then you need somebody that's going to support you. That's a colleague, a friend. It may be your husband or your wife. It may be people in your life who come alongside of you. This is a Barnabas in your life. Somebody that is an encourager in your life. La tercera persona que usted necesita es un uh, Bernabé, un animador, alguien que viene a su lado para animarlo. Now, if the only people in your life are friends, then you don't have the pull upward and you have don't have the pull downward. And you're not going to be in very good shape because your friends will tell you what you want to hear. Your friends will say, yeah, that's a good excuse. Your spiritual leader will say, ah, that's a terrible excuse. And your Timothy will make you, will be looking up at you seeing what kind of excuses are you going to make. So you need all three of these people in your life. Usted necesita todas estas tres personas en su vida. Now, I want you to just think about this. God uses individuals. He uses people in your life. And it might be a person that's just for a moment. Just a quick connection to get you from here to there. Just like that. Puede ser una persona que Dios quiere usar por un momento para llevarte de aquí allá. You got to learn to realize when it's just a person that's seasonal. Because when you keep seasonal people in your life beyond their season, they're going to become trouble. You got to understand, this was just for the season. And when the season's over, 
I'm moving on. Now you say, oh, I think I married a seasonal husband. <laughs> nope, you're married. Your season is called marriage. All right, but you, you, know, you see people who God will sometimes bring into your life just to move you from this place to the next. And then they're going to move on. And instead of you feeling like you got rejected or left behind or like you got abandoned, you just realized that was just for a moment. They have to go their way. I have to go my way. This, this is uh, visible in the book of Ruth. Naomi had two daughters-in-law. One was Orpha. One was Ruth. Orpha had to go. Ruth stuck. At the Orpha, they had to say goodbye. But Ruth said, where you go, I'll go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And you have to learn to identify by the Spirit what are those connections. So when you see a spiritual leader, a man of God, that you see is feeding you, challenging you, and encouraging you, you said, that's the one i got to stick to. And that's the one I've got I've to cling to. And when you see somebody that God is just using for a moment, let that moment be uh, do what it needs to do, but let it pass. Sometimes... They're persons that you have to pursue, somebody that you have to go and reach out for and say, teach me, show me, I want to learn from you. So if you want to be a better carpenter, go and learn from a better carpenter. If you want to be a better preacher, go learn from a better preacher. If you want to be a better singer, go and learn from a better singer. Listen, if you keep doing the things you've always done over the last five years, and then five years later you say, I wonder why I'm not any better. You need somebody in your life. It's going to pull you up. That's going to take you to the next place and to the next level. This might be a person who forgets you for a time. A veces es una persona que te olvida. The Bible said that God used Joseph to interpret a dream for the butler. The butler got out of prison and forgot Joseph for two years. Now, you think Joseph was in that prison all that time saying, that stinking butler... If I ever get my hands on him, he forgot him. But when he needed to know who he was, when the Pharaoh said, is there anybody that you know that can interpret dreams? He said, Joseph. You got to trust God with that. He said, man, I invested in that person. I, uh, God used me to bring healing to that person's life. Or God used me to invest in that person financially at a low point, And they just forgot all about me. They walked out of my life. Don't you worry about it. If they are a person God wants to use to promote you at the right time, at the right moment, God will bring you back to them. And they'll come back and do what the butler did and say, that's the one God used. Say amen, somebody. You got to trust God with that. This person might be an enemy. You say, Pastor, I don't want any enemies in my life. Everybody has enemies in their life. You don't grow without enemies. Esta persona quizás sea un enemigo. Y usted dice, yo no quiero enemigos, pero usted necesita enemigos, porque sin los enemigos no creces. Jesus said this. He said, you're going to be mocked and criticized because of me, because of the word. You're going to be persecuted. So, don't worry about that because he said, blessed are you. What did he say? Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you for my sake. That means when they are your enemy, God uses them 
to push the up button on your elevator. Amen, somebody. So just let them keep on pushing. Because every time they push that button that gets on your nerves, they're, they're attacking you, gossiping about you, lying about you. God's using them to move you up, up in your character, up in integrity, up in hope, up in joy. And before you know it, you'll be out of their reach, and you'll be at the next level in the place where God wants to use you. Come on, somebody. Say amen. So I just want you to, to do this tonight. Learn to identify who are the people that God has put in my life to connect me to my future, to connect me to God's purpose in my life. Jesus understood. Peter's got a big mouth, but he's part of my future. Thomas doesn't have much faith, but he's part of my future too. Listen, Jesus understood this. Judas is going to betray me. But he's part of my future. And, and those men became the instruments that God used so that the ministry of Jesus could extend beyond a 100 or 200 mile radius into all the world. God wants to use you to promote the kingdom of God to the furthest corners and regions of your life. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Let's stand together, please. Vamos a ponernos en pie. Just help me pray tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to be more aware of the authority that you've given us. We don't want to walk around as a defeated people, struck down by every wind and every trial and every storm that comes against us. We want to understand that we are a people who have been given authority by a loving and all-powerful God, and that authority is resident in us by the word of God, by the blood of Jesus, and by the name of Jesus. And so tonight, I stand in the authority which you have given me as the pastor of this church, and I stand in the authority which you have given me in the name of Jesus, and I come against every demonic stronghold and scheme and tactic that has been risen up against your church, and I command it to be torn down now in Jesus' name. Blindness and blind spots come down now in Jesus' name. Sickness leaves in the name of Jesus. Health and healing comes to the body of Christ in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you will give some of your people tonight who have been, who have been pushed around by the devil, give them a, a spine of spiritual steel to stand in the authority of the name of Jesus and no more. No more. This is the last day. This is the last day when the enemy will be able to ruin their peace and rob them of their joy because of a word or a message or a, or a slanderous lie. I come against that now in Jesus' name. You are more than you think you are. You are stronger than you think you are. Take authority right now in Jesus' name. Come on, just lift your hands right now and take authority in, the, in your own life. In the name of Jesus. God has given you a purpose. He's given you a job. It's time to get to work. It's time to get to work. It's time to get to work. You've been sitting too long. It's time to get to the work that God has given you to do. Go in the power of the Spirit. Go in the anointing. Go in the strength that you have. 
do the work of the ministry. If you're going to preach, preach already. Preach now. If you're going to sing, sing now. If you're going to pray, pray now. It's time. Do what you can where you are. Stop waiting for somebody else to move out of the way. You do what you can where you are. God, I pray that you will help your people to see the people that you have put in their life. The men, the women, the children, the young men, the young women, the boss, the colleague, the people you put in their life to be an instrument, to build them up, to take them to the place of purpose. I pray right now that the right people will come into the lives of your church, that they will have discernment, that they will have revelation, that they will have an understanding that they also are a connection for somebody else. That they could be a bridge and a step for someone else to reach the purpose of God.